You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms. Now, Savage has just released their new shotgun called the Renegade. The Renegade is tough, reliable, and ready for anything. Whether you're busting clays, dropping ducks, or whacking turkeys, Renegade is built to withstand tough use in extreme conditions. For more information about the Renegade shotgun, visit savagearms.com slash renegade. Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the Ohio Huntsman podcast. And this week we sort of, uh, I guess, pontificate on why we think wild game gets a bad rap as far as like eating it. Why some people are weirded out about eating it. Um, Why even some hunters are, you know, say, for example, you know, a, a Canada goose is there's there's nothing you can do with it other than turn it into jerky or, or something like that you know there, there's these things that we we all hear and and have heard or have heard people that aren't hunters say and so we just kind of talk about where that comes from what we try to do to introduce other people to wild game and and how good it can be before we get into that Hopefully y'all are having some success in the turkey woods. Been able to get on some birds, heard some birds gobbling. I know the youth hunters did well on, on their weekend. They had uh, good numbers. Their numbers were up, at, you know, as compared to last year. So hopefully that's going well for you. And hopefully, if you haven't gotten one yet, there's still time. We're getting into where they open season up all day you don't have to stop at noon so that's a that's a plus and maybe that'll allow you to get on to some of those afternoon birds you also heard me mention that uh this is episode 90 which means we are just 10 episodes away from our 100th episode so we want to hear from you what what do you guys think we should do for 100 you know it feels like it feels like we should do something special but you know, we do this for you all. So, so what do you guys think? What do you what do you want us to? What do you want to see? What do you want to hear? What would you like to have happen for episode one hundred? Give us some ideas. And now, we're going to get into the episode right after we talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. So, Mastin's is a deer scent company, as the as the name implies, and prices are really good. And it's a really good product. I, I I don't know what else to say about them, right? It, it's a good, high-quality scent. They collect on stainless steel, which means you're getting pure, um, no off flavors, pure scent. So it's good stuff. They've got some innovative products, scented candles, and their double scent stacker. If you don't know what those things are, check their check, go to their website, mastinsdeersense.com, and one, check out their prices, how good their prices are. And two, check out some of the other scent products they have to offer other than just like your liquid scent or your aerosol or your aerosol scent. So check them out. Like I said, mastinsdeersense.com or you can go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors and there's a link there that takes you right over to their website. Order on their website and they ship it right to your house. And, and now let's talk about wild game and why it gets a bad rap. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. 
Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, so today on the show, we're going to talk about wild game, cooking and eating wild game. I guess maybe not so much cooking and eating, but but why wild game seems to get a bad rap. Why people say, oh, it's gamey or, oh, you know, they don't want to eat that. And I don't know what you guys think, but but I think inside the hunting community, it's things are getting better. There's a lot of resources now for, you know, ways to prepare wild game other than, you know, like the standard, you know, do a pot roast, do a, use it, grind it up, use it in spaghetti, you know, kind of thing. Like there's a lot of good ways to eat it. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I think even like venison steak, you know, used to not really have a very good reputation, you know, and I think it's definitely making a comeback um, when people realize that they don't need to cook the crap out of their meat. Um, I think it, you know, made a comeback. Yeah. And, and so I think inside the hunting community, things are getting better. I think outside of the hunting community, you still have a lot of like squeamishness, if you will, about, about wild game. Um, I, I don't, I don't know why that is, I guess, but, uh, but I guess I could venture some guesses and I struggle with it because like, you know, we all grew up eating wild game. We continue to eat it, you know, hunt for it, eat it, process it because like some of the, 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 trains of thought the logic that people use to come to the conclusions that it's gross is like it doesn't make sense but in their head it makes great sense um but so i guess that's that's the topic for today why you know why wild game gets a bad rap and uh i guess maybe what we as hunters can do to to try to change that so but do you, do you guys have any thoughts on on why it gets a bad right where that came from or where that com- continues to come from? I don't I guess I'm kind of with you. I'm not really sure why or where because not too long ago, I mean most people if you talk to your grandparents um you know, I would venture to say you wouldn't even have to go back to your great grandparents. They probably if they didn't hunt, their brothers did, their dad definitely did, um, in the majority of cases. So those people all ate, I would imagine, wild game, um, not too far back, you know. So I don't know where the big transition came. And it kind of happened kind of quick if you think about it generationally. Um, so I don't really know, I guess, where that comes from or why that is. I don't, I don't really have a good answer. Jeff, do you have any hunches there? Well, one thing is I think 
you know, when we kind of killed off most of the wild game populations, um, you know, or really dr- dramatically reduced them, I think a lot of the knowledge of how to cook and prepare the meat was lost. You know, there was like a lost generation that never learned how to butcher the meat correctly. And like, there's little tiny things that are different about all the different game meats that if you don't know, you can end up with a pretty bad product. Um, You know, with beef, you kind of want to leave a lot of fat on. Um, With almost all wild game, you want to get as rid of as much fat as possible. You know, the gamey taste a lot of times is in the fat. So I think a lot of it might come from that is, you know, when deer kind of made a comeback and we repopulated deer populations, um, we thought people thought of it as beef and they treated it as such. And for people who eat venison, they most everybody knows it's it's not beef and really shouldn't be treated as such. Yeah, definitely. Cause yeah, I've, you know, I've had some, you know, some, like some ground where there was too much deer fat left in and it just, it messes up your tongue. It's got that, like it coats your mouth. It's got that kind of waxy, unless it's really, really hot. You know, the the minute it starts to, I mean, it's still warm, but it just starts to like, I don't know what the word, congeal or, or you know, it just, it just ruins it. <laughs> but that's, that's a good point. And I, I think the continuation of it is, you know, there's not as many people that hunt and I think people when they see wild game, you know, they, they, they think about you're going out into the woods, shooting a deer, driving it, you know, dragging it through the woods, back to your truck, you know, what, whatever they know about the process. Whereas they know, or, or they think they know, like a cow comes into some sort of clean butcher facility and it's, you know, it's much cleaner, if you will. It's, you know, it's USDA, it's, it's inspected. It's, you know, there's right or wrong, good or bad. I think people feel like there's, there's inspections, there's oversight, there's people making sure that things are clean and, up to snuff whereas when you go out in the woods you don't know what somebody did to it or or what happened to it i think the other issue with wild game is the variability in it right from one animal to the next you can get a very different product if you will versus farm raised animals like we've gotten very good at making every cow taste the same every piece of pork you know like we've gotten good at 
people know what to expect when they bite into a steak or they open a package of 80-20 ground beef and with deer or turkey or, you know, any, any kind of wild animal, you don't know what happened to it yesterday. You don't know, you know, what it's gotten into, what it's been eating, uh, how old it is, you know, whereas that is all very much down to a science when it comes to farm animals. Right. 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 I've heard that uh, deer that live in primarily, you know, conifer forests, pine forests, um, their their meat has a, uh, a piney taste to it. I've never experienced it, but I've heard it. You know, so the deer's diet does affect it. Um, I have experienced that uh, deer that are shot in more farm country in northeast Ohio uh, and deer that are more in hill country in southeast Ohio um, can have a very different taste and just muscle structure, Um, you know, the, the density of the muscle. Um, in farm country, they're more similar to cows. They're not really working those muscles a lot going, you know, they're not having the hunt as hard for their food. You know, they can just go to the cornfield and eat and back to cover where in hill country where they're primarily eating acorns and clover, you know, clover fields and alfalfa uh you know it's a little harder to find food so they're traveling a little more every day and that travel to food can be a little more strenuous going up and down hills yeah yeah which all that you you end up with a different end result a different product if you will at the end and so I think all of those things combined probably, you know, like Jeff, like you said, <clears throat> maybe that's how we got here. And then some of those things we just talked about continue to perpetuate it. Now, one of my, one of my very favorite things to do is, and, and I don't, I'm not typically one to, trick somebody into eating wild game that, you know, has expressed that they don't want to. Um, but I did have an incident where uh, we had a work potluck, you know, everybody brought something in and now granted this doesn't showcase wild game, I guess, you know, but I made like a, um, like a cheesy taco, dip you know it's the velveta and ground venison um rotel pepper you know that kind of thing like a a queso and i put right on it you know venison venison chili con queso you know i wrote right on the, the slow cooker that i had it in well this this woman at work didn't see the note and ended up putting a spoonful on her plate and had already started eating it before she realized 
you know, she looked up and was like, oh. And then she, she, you know, she came over and she's like, I didn't see your note on your slow cooker. And I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. And she's like, and I ate some of it and it was actually really good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, whew, okay. <laughs> I pull it there, didn't I? Glad yeah. you liked it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, my wife has a similar story, kind of. Um, when she got her job, you know, shortly after, uh, they had a potluck. And she, they said, someone came up to her and said, I, I know your boyfriend hunts. So I just want to let you know, like, if you bring something venison or something, make sure it's clearly labeled because we had an incident one time where it wasn't clearly labeled that it was venison. It was a, it was chili and a, a woman ate it and, you know, lost her mind. She was very upset. I believe went to the bathroom and made herself throw up like, you know, it was a big oh, wow. incident. So uh, someone had to cut, you know, someone warned her, like, you know, please make it very clear because there has been an incident. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's special. Yeah. Yeah. That's next level. But so one of my one of my things that brings me great joy is exposing somebody to wild game who maybe either hasn't had it and has an open mind about it or, you know, has, uh, has had it, but maybe had a bad experience or, or, you know, had it once when they were a kid and then have just decided that, uh, that's, that's gross. Um, and then uh, having them try something and realizing that it's actually quite good. I mean, my wife, her, her, her dad, actually, my, my father-in-law, he hunts, but he's not really a fan of wild game. When he gets a deer, he has, he doesn't let it go to waste by any means, but he typically has it all turned into jerky or snack sticks or that kind of like cured meat products. Cause he, and, and the other issue there is they, they like everything well done like well done. <laughs> so in, you know, like Jeff mentioned, you just can't, you just can't with, with, with venison, you just can't cook stuff well done. And they, that's just, I think they're nervous about food poisoning. That's they, they, you know, they do not want any pink, any, anything when they, bite into a burger, cut into a steak, any of that. It needs to be well done, which turns a deer steak into shoe leather. And, uh, so I think that because of those reasons, you know, he just doesn't like it. I've asked him, you know, why don't you just grind it? And, uh, it smells weird when it's cooking and I, you know, they just, they just don't care for it. But, uh, so I, I, tell you that to say like you know my wife was around hunting growing up but never really ate it and when we got together you know we started cooking with it and eating it and things like that you know she kind of had that like you know 
it's not good. Well, now that's pretty much all we eat. I mean, we do get some, um, we do buy some bulk beef, which we end up with some ground in there, but you know, that I'll, I'll be honest, it is hard to beat a, uh, a beef steak. Like, you know, when that steak, like when I think of a steak, I think of a beef steak. I like a beef steak. And so <clears throat> that's one of the things that we get when we buy this bulk beef. But aside from that, we pretty much eat primarily venison or other, you know, other wild game. And she, uh, likes it a lot now. I think, you know, Jake, you had a, a similar experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my wife didn't even grow up around hunting. Her grandparents, um, hunted and, you know, her, her grand, her grandfather, I never was fortunate enough to meet him. He had passed away before my wife and I, uh, started dating, but he sound the way she tells stories and that her, you know, her mom tells stories about her dad is he was a woodsman. I mean, ran a trap line and hunted and her grandma even hunted. So, um, but my wife's dad, my father-in-law also just does not like venison. Doesn't like it. Claims he can taste it in spaghetti or chili, which I don't buy, but he claims he can. Um, I think it's more, he just knows that if he eats spaghetti at my house, it has venison in it. There's just no other option. Um, so, but similarly, my wife, I mean, she enjoys venison. We cook with it. We never buy beef other than, like you said, um, a beef steak. Every once in a while, we'll buy beef steaks because that's, I guess, another one of the kind of to circle back a little bit. Um, you can't expect or, you know, basically expect your wild game or your venison to taste like beef. They're different animals. They're going to taste different. Yeah. Uh, you can't make a venison steak taste like a beef steak. It's just a different, it's different. You can't do it. You can make venison steak taste very, very good, but it's not going to taste like a beef steak. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Right. If just you go into different. it thinking it's going to taste like a beef steak, you're right. Gonna you're not going. You're going to be right. You'll be right. disappointed. Um, and that's just the reality of it. And you have to have that expectation. You know, you can't expect your venison steak to taste like a top sirloin. It's just not right. If you happen. think if you think your wild turkey is going to taste like a butterball, like. Right. You're going to be disappointed. (laughs) Right. With turkeys, it's a it's a very different situation. You know, uh, wild turkeys taste nothing like a butterball. I mean, it's it's very different. Mm -hmm. But it's it's actually kind of interesting how different a venison steak and a beef steak safe steak taste. Um, Because I I prefer venison steak over beef steak but it, it's very interesting how different they really are and mostly like how tender a good beef steak is compared to a venison steak you know i i've tried and you just can't get venison as tender as a good beef steak yeah, yeah. how do you when you guys have your your 
venison steaks cut? How do you, what do what area, what muscle group do you cut them out of? And like, walk me through that. How thick do you cut them? That sort of thing. What do you, what are you after when you're, when you say in a, a venison steak? I typically will take a nine inch section of the back strap and just cut, you know, just cut a nine inch section of the whole back strap out. And I cook that as one piece of meat. Um, and that's, that's my favorite way of making venison steak. You know, and then you can, you know, cut that up and, you know, make, you know, fajita, like for like a steak, uh, for like steak tacos, or you can cut it up and make like a steak salad, or you can eat it, you know, as, as one steak. Um, also, I mean, the, the tenderloin, I cook just as, you know, full tenderloin. And then cut it into, like, after it's cooked, cut it into medallions or something? Yeah, and then cut it into medallions, yeah. Yeah, I the the backstrap, that would be, like, equivalent to a filet mignon, is that right? Uh, well, I think the tenderloin is equivalent to filet mignon. Oh, okay, okay. All right, so, but, yeah, that's, if I'm, if I'm going to make steak, I, I, absolutely despise the what what i call the leg steaks which is where the 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 butcher or the processor just takes the rear hind quarter and runs it through a bandsaw and so you get a handful of different um muscle groups in there they i i suppose you could have them cut them thicker but they always cut them like seems like you know i don't know thin like three quarters of an you know half an inch three quarters of an inch like they're they're not thick and they they cook like in an instant yeah and i just i i have not found a good way to cook those to keep them from getting well done um (laughs) funny story i had some of those and i had gotten them out and i thought they were defrosted and I uh, put them on the grill, and I'm, you know, very worried about these things turning into shoe leather. So I cook them, you know, I'm going to, I'm shooting for medium, you know. <laughs> and I, uh, okay, they're done. I, I think they're done. I take them off the grill. This was a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, I plate them up. This is going to be this great summer dinner you know i made for my wife and and uh cut into mine and i'm thinking oh yeah these turned out pretty good and and she she cuts into hers and she's chewing it she's like it's kind of crunchy and uh i said what do you what do you mean and she she turns her plate around and hers is still frozen in the middle (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, oh, crap. oh wow, <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, that's funny. I I, uh, I dropped the ball on that one. It was a big <laughs> big letdown. But nice thing about undercooking is you can put them back on and and 
cook them the rest of the way. But yeah, it was like right. everything was ready except right. for her steak, you know. So it was I I kept apologizing. She's like, it's fine, it's it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I'm like, oh, I feel so bad. Mm-hmm. This is horrible, you know. But uh, yeah, but yeah. Another good place to get steaks from. Now you you kind of have to know your anatomy of of the deer but if you can get the the eye of the round um off the hind quarter um it's not going to be like a back strap or a tenderloin steak um it's not going to be that good that tender um but it's it's a passable steak yeah because that's a that's a that's a good point that's a good um like solid grained muscle group cut them across the grain and yeah you can end up with a pretty good pretty yeah. good thing there and cut them like you know i always say cut them thick you know because you need yeah. that little bit of time so that you can get them cooked but not well done but not <laughs> frozen yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah, all all the venison steaks I cook are I cook as a relatively thick piece of meat, so I I have the time to you know get it get it up to temperature without making it well done. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you do you typically cook them on the grill or in a cast iron, or what do you how do you typically cook a venison steak? Um, I've tried, I've done a lot of different things, um, cooking them on the grill. I like doing, um, I'm not as skilled on a grill as I would like to be. Um, so sometimes I, I struggle to get the correct, you know, level of cooked, you know, it's either not done enough or too done. Um, obviously cooking on the grill gives you a much better flavor. Um, you know, gives you the grill profile, if you will. Um, cooking in a cast iron, uh, I like to do that sometimes. And I also will uh, brown uh, like a a backstrap in a in a pan, and then put it into the oven uh, in like a a crock with a uh, a meat thermometer in it so I can determine exactly when it's to the right temperature and pull it out. You know, I I have, you know, perfect control over when that meat hits, you know, 155 degrees, I think about where I like to put it and then pull it out, let it rest for a few minutes where it'll continue to heat up for a little bit. But, once you pass 160 with venison, you're really starting to risk things. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that there's a fine line after 160 degrees. And I think that's the, the thing that people really like about the pellet grills is you get that, that grilled smoky flavor, but you have the control of, like an oven, right? They're, they're electronic. They, you know, they feed chips, you know, uh, wood pellets Mm -hmm. in and you set a temperature, you get a thermometer, you know, and it's, everything's much more 
controlled and you can you can do the same thing with a with a regular grill like but like you said it, it just takes a little more uh, experience a little more doing i guess you know if you, if you use the grill a lot i think jake you grill a lot right uh yeah i mean i would yeah i would say typically when i cook it's on the grill um so yeah i mean that's burgers steaks you know whatever but um i wouldn't necessarily call myself a grill master there's still a lot of guesswork i mean it always turns out okay but i find when i'm grilling i'm always like eh seems about right all right that's good (laughs) well you make you make a pretty good uh venison burger on the grill um which i struggle to do yeah walk us through that what do you what's your your go-to for a venison burger um my go-to for a venison burger is well when we have our ground made um we have that done at a processor usually and we have them mix in a little bit of like pork fat um i don't know how much they mix in like percentage wise it's not a lot it's not like it's an 80 20 or something it's just a little bit that they mix and i want to say like for i don't know 20 some Maybe it's like a 90-10 then. I don't know. Because I want to say like it's usually like a pound or two they end up charging me for of the pork fat. And that gives me 20, 30, some one-pound packs of ground. Okay. Um, so maybe it's like a 90-10. I don't know. But I use that and then I use um, breadcrumbs to kind of help hold it together. Because that's one thing anyone who's tried to make a venison burger um, compared to ground beef, they don't hold together as well. Um, so some people, you know, you could use an egg, but breadcrumbs is what I use. And this is kind of where I, I probably should have an exact measurement, but I don't, I just kind of pour some in there. (laughs) Um, so I don't know how much to say, like how many breadcrumbs per pound of ground, you know, like is whether it's a cup or half a cup, I, I don't know. I just pour it in until it looks right and feels right when I'm mixing it together. So you're going for a consistency in your hand. Yeah. 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 It's a consistency in your hand thing as you're kind of kneading it all together. Um, kind of what it feels like, how much, how sticky it's getting. Um, and then I have some spices I throw in there, Worcestershire sauce, and that's about it. And I use a burger press to make burgers to help kind of really press them together. So it's, I'm not, I typically don't just form them with my hands. I use an actual burger press plastic thing I got from Pampered Chef or something. I don't know. My wife had it um, to kind of press them out. It helps hold them together a little better. Okay. But, and then just grill them like any other burger? Basically, yeah. I mean, it's as with any other venison compared to beef um it's not as long you know it cooks faster but um yeah i just grill them i put um i don't grill them right on the grates i put aluminum foil down and usually spray the aluminum foil with some kind of cooking spray just to help it from sticking because if it sticks at all it'll fall apart (laughs) Uh, okay 
So I usually use like aluminum foil and then a, some cooking spray just to make sure that the burger's not going to stick because you can't. They, with beef, they say if it's sticking, you know, when you're trying to flip it, it's because it's not done cooking. Um, so let it cook longer and then it'll come loose. But that what that is, is that's that outside layer cooking. Uh, but the venison burger, you don't always have that long to let the outside get charred, so to speak, to where it comes loose. Because by then you're overcooking it. So you sometimes right. have to flip it a little sooner. Um, and then with on the grill, and I'm sure it probably goes with any, I don't know, whether it's in a cast iron grill, whatever, cooking venison. Um, the uh, old camp cook at our hunting cabin, a guy named Stan, he uh, gave me a old army cooking tip and I stand by it today and I do it. You never flip it more than once. Mm. Whether that's steak, burgers, don't flip them back and forth because you're pouring all the juice off. So when I make steaks, when I make burgers, you only flip them once and that helps keep some of that in juiciness inside instead of because every time you cook it, flip it, all that moisture rises to the top and then when you flip it over, you pour it all off basically. So that's a lot of pressure, right? You got to get that right. Can you, are you, are you allowed to like uh, lift it up and check it to see if it's ready <laughs> or? Yeah. I, I mean, I do. Yeah. Sometimes and once you do it, you know, I mean, it's, you're used to, you know, how long it typically takes and you kind of learn how your grill works and what it looks like and whatever. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, but that's what he told me especially for steaks and then he said another trick restaurant trick if you overcook your steak um butter is how to like make it seem like it's less cooked than it is oh okay so like if you paint it with butter like a butter melt butter and then paint it or he said if it gets really overdone in restaurants he said they used to just dip the whole steak in butter hmm so I don't know. Someone can correct me if that's not an accurate trick, but that's what he said. Have you ever used it? I've never tried it. No, to undo it. But he said it'll, if you coat it in butter, he said it'll back it up like a half cook, so to speak. So from, right. you know, medium well, if you coat it in butter, it'll go back to a medium. He okay. said it's not perfect, but it's a way to save a steak. Yeah. Sometimes, like he said, that in restaurants, when you say, oh, this steak's overcooked, they take it back and that's all they do is dip it in butter and give it right back to you. <laughs> but I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about our sponsor, Monster White Toe Grub. They are a, a deer feed and attractant company. So They've got their signature Monster White Toe Grub feed, which is a high-protein feed. It's got mineral mixed in, and I really like having the mineral mixed in because even after the physical feed is gone, that mineral is worked into the dirt, and the deer will continue to come back and check that spot and, and get at that mineral, which allows you to get more pictures of them. And even after the physical feed is gone, you don't have to rush back out and dump more feed. So I really like that. They've also got just straight mineral if you want to run straight mineral and 
um, flavored corn options. So th those flavors, they've got a, a handful of flavors to, to pick from. It really turns standard corn into a more long-range attractant, which is is really nice. I like that. So if you're interested in any of that, you want to try some of that out to get pictures of deer this summer, or you want to get into some for the fall, check out ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors, and you can get in touch with them and order some of their stuff. Now let's get back to the conversation. So... We've talked burgers, we've talked steaks. Ground is is kind of ground, I guess. You know, it does <clears throat> it does smell a little different when when you cook it. But the things you typically use ground in, I you know, things that come to my mind are chili, spaghetti, tacos. You know, there's so much seasoning in those things that you know, beef, venison, you know, I don't know. It gets used up in our house, and uh, you know, I don't know that it showcases one or the other. I think venison is easier to work with because you don't have this pan full of grease at the end. I uh, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I typically we it depends. Sometimes we have stuff added to our ground, you know, some kind of pork trimmings or things. Um, sometimes we don't, but we typically there's no need to drain the meat. Uh, we don't typically drain our venison, whereas like beef, you have to, you know, I mean, it's just swimming in, in grease. Yeah. But, I mean, from my experience, I, it's, you don't even, I mean, you can't drain it. You try to drain it. You end up pouring all your venison in the sink. <laughs> I mean, there's just not anything there to drain really very little. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely is leaner it's better i mean because all that stuff you're draining off is, yeah uh, yeah it's better for you i think yeah i think venison ground venison is a good gateway wild game you know food that's a good um, point you know just about anyone can eat ground venison and something and like it um because it's really not too terribly different than than beef Right, nine times out of ten, wouldn't even know if you didn't tell them. Right, right, yeah. It's a gateway. It's a gateway uh, wild game food. I like that. once you once you get that, then you get hooked. <laughs> I just that's a it just gave me an idea for a, a t-shirt that would be like a, a good t-shirt. Yeah. But uh, all right, so we talked about. Uh, you know, where maybe all of this came from and, and how it's right. continued. Talked about how we like to prepare some of these cuts and things and, and enjoy them. Anything else you guys want to touch on on this one? Well, we probably should talk about, like, the main illness that people are getting from wild game, which is trichinosis. You know, okay. which they're getting from wild hogs, bears, if they're eating raccoon. Um, you know, that's typically where you're getting that from. Um, which trichinosis used to be, you know, fairly common in uh, domestic pork as well. Um, now with uh, antibiotics, it's a whole lot less uh, common, but, you know, 
just like you know wild hogs just like domestic pigs you really should should cook that meat all the way through same thing with bear it needs it needs to be cooked all the way through because trichinosis is is a real real thing that you can get um and so i think that's probably i mean far and away where the the most common thing that someone's getting sick from wild game is if they undercook one of those two species and get trichinosis right um so i you know it's really nor here nor there but i think that kind of gives people getting sick from any wild game gives it all a bad rap kind of thing mm-hmm. so. but like it's it, see that's one of those things that i was mentioning at the beginning of like these these logic trails that that break down almost immediately like people get sick from undercooked chicken and they don't write off all farm raised animals you know it's like uh, you know, it just happened, you know, or salmonella or, you know, whatever. Right. Everybody knows you right. got to cook chicken all the way through. You got to cook pork all the way through. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. there's foodborne illness concerns. Right. You get Same sick thing. from something get... from a farm and you blame yourself for not cooking it. You know, it's that, it's that person's fault for not cooking it or not washing it. Right. You get sick from wild game, and it's the animal's fault. Like it's dirty. Yeah. No, nah, that's kind of kind of a silly logic trail, but that's that's the way people think. I think you know we talked about maybe some of the things that we can do. I I am I am continually amazed, or or I guess maybe surprised is is the word. You know, like you feel you've got your group of friends, your, your acquaintances, whatever your family, you sort of know their level of understanding of, of wild game and hunting. But then, you know, there'll be a scenario where you meet some new people or a new group of people or, or something like that. And just things that we take for granted as everybody knows they don't. So don't don't assume that everybody knows. The example I'm I'm sort of referring to here is I told some people at work now, you know, with this whole coronavirus, we're all working remotely. So we're having daily check in calls. I say, oh, yeah, you know, turkey season's coming up and I'm going to I'm going to go try and do some turkey hunting. And a, a woman on the call says, if you shoot a turkey what do you what are you going to do with it are you are you going to eat it and i said well of course and she she meant no like ill intent she wasn't like she just genuinely didn't know what do you do when you shoot a turkey is it to eat is it for fun what you know like it wasn't like oh are you going to eat it you know it was like what what do you do with them and so yeah i you know explained oh yeah i yeah you eat them and and they can be very good and they're they're not a butterball but you know they're 
I'm, people don't know that turkeys fly, right? They see farm turkeys. Farm turkeys don't right, fly. Right, right. You, you know, right. I've told people in the past before that, oh, yeah, turkeys sleep in trees, and they, they do? Yeah. So I think just continuing to talk about it, not in like a macho man, redneck, yo, yeah, killed him, you know, you know, tag him and bag him, gut him and stuff, you know, like... That's, I think, off-putting to people who don't know, but just in a, yeah, you know, going hunting this weekend or, oh, I made this really good, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. venison, rest, you know, that kind of food is a good way to start a conversation. You know, they'll be like, oh, you can eat those? Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have examples yeah. like that, but I, I just think continuing to talk about it, anytime you're you're around new people, you know, obviously you don't want to, like, lead off with that maybe you'd be they'd be like wow what a weirdo but uh, you know don't assume that everybody knows that yeah you eat turkeys that you shoot <laughs> right yeah and what turkeys are a really interesting one in my opinion because turkeys in wild turkeys in my opinion get a bad rap amongst turkey hunters you know because Agreed. yeah people think that they can cook it like a butterball, which you just can't. I mean, it it's not a butterball. Um, I find using wild turkey, it's it's more suited to recipes that require like pork, like shredded pork, than it does recipes that require turkey. Okay, because it. It has a, a more similar flavor profile to pork, in my opinion. Um, so I typically, you know, use my turkey. If, if I'm not making, like, turkey nuggets out of, in which typically I'm just using, like, you know, just the breast for that. Um, and, like, the, the turkey fingers, if you will, the, the tenderloin. Um, you know, I'll make like nuggets out of that. Um, but if I'm not doing that, typically I'm making like pulled turkey sandwiches, but I typically will more or less follow a pulled pork recipe um, because it it's more suited to that than it is turkey. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. You, It's just, it's not a farm turkey and you cannot approach it like a farm turkey i've i've done the same thing with uh you know the breast meat is great if you want to do nuggets or things like that those turn out awesome that's another kind of right who doesn't like a chicken nugget right that's another kind of gateway right like oh yeah by the way and that's wild turkey right right you know Mm -hmm. when you cook them up they just look awesome it just looks like something you want to dip in barbecue sauce and put in your mouth Right. Yeah. <clears throat> See, my wife makes uh, like buffalo chicken dip, but with wild turkey. Oh, okay. And people really go nuts for that. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty good. I mean, it's it's definitely not my favorite uh, turkey recipe, um, but a lot of other people really like it. So, I I really like like pulled pork sandwiches but with turkey i i go nuts for that 
Yeah. All right. So closing, closing thought. What What is your guys's um, favorite or least favorite cut dish, whatever, wherever you want to take it. Wild. Well, game. I'm going to give one more like closing thought thing that of why I think wild game gets a bad rap. And that's it goes along along with the turkey and the venison thing is comparing wild game to some sort of domestic game, you know, domestic animal, you know, comparing a wild turkey to a domestic turkey, comparing venison to beef, um, comparing ducks to chickens, like you you can't do that. Like right. they're they're very different. And um, it, if you if you do that, it, you're very likely to not cook, do the meat justice. You know, you need to to find recipes for the game that you're trying to cook. And uh, another one is really remove the fat because. Um, on most wild game, the fat gives it that really gamey taste. Yep, so you, you really, you really got to remove the fat. Um, whether that's a deer, whether that's a turkey, whether that's a goose, you know, a goose, uh, Canadian goose gets a really bad rap. While yeah. I've only ever made Canadian goose one time, and I said Canadians, Canada goose, but. Uh, I've only made Canada goose one time. Um, and yeah, it gets this really bad rap for just being this greasy, disgusting, you know, meat. Mm -hmm. But all that grease is coming from the fat. If you can trim off the majority of the fat, you're left with a pretty good piece of meat. So that's kind of my closing thoughts on how to uh, make game meat tastes better and get a better reputation yeah and my my two go-tos for uh um wild game recipes are meat eaters got a lot of good stuff and hank shaw those are those are two great resources for wild game because they you know a, a lot of this stuff they're they're doing specifically for wild game these recipes it's not like oh i'm gonna take this domestic you know thing and sort of interpret it to be used for you know they're they're doing recipes that are specifically tailored to the flavor profile and the amount of fat and that kind of thing and like we just made uh meteors doing um like because of everybody's stuck at home and trying to limit how much they're going out there I, I saw they're doing like simple sort of pantry meals, very few kind of common ingredients. And I used, I followed that recipe for stir fry the other day and it was awesome. So back to our favorite or least favorite cut of meat dish, whatever. Who wants, Jake, you want to go first? Sure. Um, favorite well my favorite i would say and this is 
partially probably because it's new and relatively scarce because I haven't had it too many times is I am just really a sucker for heart. Um, that's like my, I've, there's not a deer heart that lasts at my house. I, yeah, my wife won't eat it yet, but me and, um, both of my kids, more my son than my daughter. Cause my wife has my daughter freaked out about it, but, um, <laughs> We smashed some venison heart. That's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. That is a, I, I'm very upset with myself that we've thrown that away for so long. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I that is very good. throw them away because I, I only do heart shots. So that's why I'm always throwing them away. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Well, I never have to worry about that. <laughs> um, so that's probably my favorite, least favorite. Um, I'm with you, Jason, those typical hind leg, hind quarter steaks that a lot of these processors do with a bandsaw. Um, not that they're bad, I guess, but they're just, they're not a good representation of the game meat because it's a bunch of different muscle groups. And then when you cook it, they like. Right, you end up with you all, know, all the stringiness the, between yeah. them. And, yeah. They're like pulling apart from each other. And it's like, what's this weird skin connecting these two pieces? And yeah. it just, I don't know. I feel like that puts off. And it's very hard. I mean, like, if you don't tell, I mean, hopefully your processor will do whatever you ask them to do. Um, but like the standard run it through a bandsaw and there's a little circle piece of bone in it. And I mean, my dog likes to chew on those bones. But uh, that's about the only good thing that comes out of that. I find myself just muscling through one of those just to eat it. You know what I yeah, mean? So yeah. I don't. So that's probably my least favorite is those. Also, like, uh, like kind of like Jeff was saying, take the back strap and instead of um, butterflying it or cutting it real thin, just leaving it as one big piece of meat that then you're able to have a lot more control over and um like a bacon wrapped back strap cut the back strap just like in half so you have like a big 12 inch long wrap that whole thing up in bacon That's so <clears throat> but that a, will start a grill fire <laughs> yes that was a uh, um an either or question and you did both plus some so <laughs> So hopefully there's some left for uh, Jeff and I. <laughs> yeah, I got plenty. All right, go for it, Jeff. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, my least favorite thing, and then I'll let you... Well, I'll do my, my least favorite game meat is venison liver. I just cannot do that. Um, I don't like the taste of liver. That was uh, that was going to be mine. Yeah, oh, I just, really? I, 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 it's, and I don't even know if it's so much a taste thing as it is a like a consistency, a texture thing for me. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't have a grain to it, and it it just, I don't know. See, for me, it's definitely the, a taste thing. I that that irony taste is just I cannot do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and <clears throat> our parents love it. Yeah, yeah they'll, which means take, more for them. Yeah, yeah, they'll take every liver we can get. Yeah, 
I say good for them. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I know when it gets to be in the thick of hunting season, Dad always tells me that they have a lot of liver. <laughs> one time, the one time I messaged him and asked him after I had gotten a deer, I said, "You want the liver?" and I called him and he said, "No, we got plenty." And I heard mom in the background, "Don't you tell them no." <laughs> so, yeah, I think they during hunting season, they're eating liver and eggs or whatever for breakfast like every Sunday. Like nice. They are, yeah, every weekend they're eating that for breakfast one day or the other. Now that's a that's a I haven't tried that, like dicing it up and using it in something. I haven't tried that, but just to eat like liver and onions, it's like, I, yeah, I just, I can't hang. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, Sorry. Some of my, you, what were you going to say, Jason? I was going to say, are you going to do a favorite? Yeah, yes. Well, I'm going to do just a broad scale, like some of my favorite things. Um, I like cooking squirrel as like, chicken wings um you know just putting it in a thin uh layer of oil because i don't have a deep fryer but put a thin layer of oil uh into a cooking dish and put it in the oven um and then sauce that up with your you know favorite wing sauce um i really like that i mean it's it's not chicken wings but it's it's pretty it's pretty darn good yeah. Um I really like a venison steak, heavy on the salt, heavy on the butter. Um I find that it's very hard to oversalt a venison steak. I mean, you can do it, but you know, it's it's hard to oversalt a venison steak. Um and then I I'm a big fan of the the venison roast, you know, with potatoes and baby carrots. You know, uh, yeah. cream of uh, cream of onion soup packet in there with it. I'm I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. So I already did my least favorite. It's the you know venison liver, just can't hang. Um, some of my favorites because, like, just for us, you know, we're we're we both work we're you know we're we're always trying to find like either can we put it in the crock pot and it be ready when we get home or is it something that we can whip together quick when we walk in the door so for those reasons we end up grinding a lot and you know it doesn't take long to brown up some meat and make tacos or um you know spaghetti although we don't we don't eat a ton of pasta but one of the things I've I've really been on like a kind of like an Asian kick here recently, and so one of the things I've done recently that I, I'm I'm what that stir fry I made that with ground that turned out really good. Um, but the other thing I've done is sort of like a um, like an Asian uh, beef and broccoli kind of thing, which is typically whole meat or you know whole muscle meat sliced into, into strips or whatever. But if when you're browning your meat, you don't mess with it and you kind of leave it in big chunks, like don't, don't keep breaking it apart to where you get like a fine ground, leave it in bigger chunks 
um, you can kind of make that same sort of beef and broccoli type of a dish, but use ground venison. And I've, I've really been liking that kind of stuff recently. Do you have an Instapot? I do. Okay. Uh, my, my, my complaint with the Instant Pot is it's not instant. Uh, the timer doesn't start until after it's come to pressure, which takes 10 minutes or, you know, whatever. So I'm like, oh, okay, it takes 15 minutes. Great. Well, it's not 15 minutes. It's 15 minutes plus the 10 minutes or whatever it takes to come to pressure. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, my complaint with Instant Pot. My wife really likes her Instapot. And she she makes a lot of good stuff, you know, mostly, uh, you know, like roasts and uh, with turkey. You know, she has a lot of pulled turkey th- uh, things in the Instapot. And it's all fairly quick, you know, fairly quick and not time consuming. Like she can put it in there and not have to sit there and watch it like she can go do laundry or go do something else and come back when it's ready basically yeah i like and and it's got that you know that pot inside so you could like have everything in the pot and then basically come home drop it in the pressure chamber if you will and turn it on i do want to experiment with it some more we've had it for a while and just haven't really gotten into it the one thing i do like to do with it is we buy um uh chickens like you know farm chickens whatever uh in bulk because that's another thing that we can like cook a chicken in the crock pot shred it up and then we can do throughout the week we can do whatever we can throw it in a pan and barbecue it and have like barbecue chicken sandwiches we can make chicken tacos we you know you can do whatever so that like for quick and easy things that's another thing we do but then I take the, you know, the bones and all that stuff, and I like the instant pot for for stock because same thing. I can put it in there. One, it's way faster than letting it simmer on a on a stovetop all day. Although you don't get the reduction. Like if you're wanting that stock where it kind of thickens up and gets like a little gelatinous when it cools, you you can't, or at least I've not gotten that in the instant pot. But I like the fact that like the pressure really kind of breaks down the bones and, and pulls like that, that goodness out of the bones, right? That sort of hardiness that you want in a stock. And it's like 45 minutes or something. And it's, you know, it's done that. So that is one thing I use my, you guys ever do wild game stock? I want to do that this year. No, I've never With- done it. With what kind of wild game? Like, what what are you thinking about here? I was going to just do venison. Like, you know, uh-huh. make it like I would make beef stock. Yeah, no, I I don't make much stock. So, I've, I've never tried it. See, we do a lot of, like, again, slow cookers. You know, so, like, soups and stews and stuff. And so, like, having stock to as a base for that kind of thing is, is nice. So, we use stock. And so, therefore, I was like, well, how hard could it be, right? So... We make stock from time to time. Okay. Well, I think this was good. Hopefully it was uh, interesting. I've, I'm trying to find other ways. I, I find myself always saying, hopefully this was, uh, maybe there was something in there helpful for you. <laughs> um, 
So I'm trying to find other yeah. ways to close. I, I, yeah, I hope I hope you guys can tell how you know passionate we are about the uh, the meat, you know, and that the meat is a big part of hunting for us, you know, yeah. because I even if you if you don't if you like hunting and don't like the meat, it's probably more that you haven't found a recipe or a way to prepare it that you like not that the meat isn't good yeah and this is a a whole other podcast but that's what's so scary about cwd for me right is like a big part of hunting is eating what i harvest and if you know they're basically recommending not eating cd you know if a deer tests positive for cwd and i know we have you know we've had it in some captive deer here in ohio but we don't have any real um to my knowledge any real wild deer with cwd but that's like man if you can't eat them what's the point right yeah it's a pretty expensive hobby if uh if you don't even get a little bit of meat out of it yeah yeah all right well hopefully uh you guys are having some have had some success in the turkey woods or or are gonna have some success here in in the next couple days or weeks and uh with that we'll let you guys go and uh we'll talk to you all next week so those are our thoughts on why wild game gets a bad rap let us know what you think what are uh, one what are some of the more interesting or or um crazy kind of off the wall reasons people have given about not wanting to try wild game or you know been grossed out by it and then let us know what what you guys do to get people past that and maybe there's something in there that we can share with the audience with the the rest of the listeners want this to be you know interactive and and we you know we talk into these microphones but it's nice to hear from you all so let us know your thoughts as always continue to subscribe that way you're getting notified two ways to to subscribe you can subscribe to the sportsman's nation feed which you get everybody that's on sportsman's nation or you can subscribe to our standalone ohio huntsman feed and both of those are on any podcast platform out there. I, I haven't found one that we're not on. So pick your favorite, subscribe, uh, leave a review on iTunes, Facebook, wherever you're listening. That really helps us get other people exposed to the podcast. And like I said, just interact with us, comment, send us a message on, on social. We're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook, Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast on Instagram. And chat with us. Let us know what you think about the episode and what kind of stuff you want to hear more of. And with that, I will let you all get back to your week and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.